sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Certainly, the response to the coronavirus is quite substantial. It's even been described in terms of warfare, and there are likely to be unintended consequences. But what about the consequences for religious freedom? My guest today, Lincoln Steed, longtime editor of Liberty Magazine, the nation's oldest and, I dare say, very best magazine devoted to religious liberty. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friend. Thank you. You may dare say that. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> All right. So, unintended consequences. You have some concerns, I take it, about how this may all play out. I'm sure I'm not alone. You know, we're, we're under house address, figuratively speaking. And uh, this sort of pandemic has not been seen in our lifetime. Uh, and from a religious liberty point of view, it's amazing to me that some of the things that we were once stealing ourselves to resist, like uh, uh, some countries and even some laws different times in this country have been used to restrict uh, home gatherings or fairly large gatherings, informal gatherings of worshippers. Well, now suddenly, you know, one fell swoop. No. You know, social distancing, churches are shutting down. Uh, we've sort of uh, dissolved. And one unintended consequence, I think, that the ch any church, and certainly our church, may face. People are not coming to church. They're uh, informally uh, hearing or listening to each other. But uh, they may uh, start to sort of drift away and do their own thing. When we open the doors of the church again, they might not all come back. Uh, that's clearly unintended, and it's something that uh, persecution might have aimed to do, but it's happened quickly. Well, the con certainly the consequences for the impact on religion generally are significant. Now, I did an entire interview explaining why these broad restrictions on public gatherings are not a violation of religious freedom. And... Our church, along with most other churches, have been encouraging the canceling of religious gatherings, and for good right. reason. But you're right. There, you know, there are likely to be changes. Right. But these are a conditioning problem. It's changing people's mindset and uh, taking away resistance uh, to what otherwise, uh, from certain quarters, might be an attempt to restrict a certain religious practice. Uh, let me tell you something that's crossed my mind lately, and uh, I'm not a walking encyclopedia, but things stick in my mind, and there's a word I haven't heard lately, but I remember it from school, a saculum. Now, that word held a term of about 90 years. The Romans took it up to 110 years, and it was the period that you could reasonably expect the longest lifespan, usually embraced by about four generational turnovers. They, both those societies believed that society would reinvent itself to get the past, all the lessons of the past, first-hand lessons were gone, 
and uh, the same errors would be uh, made. And Rome and Etruscan uh, civilization felt that they were given about 10 seculums to their entire history. That's sort of to them. But I think there's something to be said for the fact that once you run out uh, sort of a group memory of the living people, uh, most amazing things can repeat themselves. And it, and it struck me, we're almost exactly at a seculum since the influenza epidemic when uh, somewhere around half a million plus in the U.S. died, like 60 million in the world. It was catastrophic, but uh, other than the uh, concurrent trauma of, of World War I, uh, it didn't go into lockdown like we are now. And, and I think we're in great danger, even though the, the, um, uh, the scientists are saying we need to isolate and all the rest. We're in danger now of creating greater damage to global society that what we're trying to stop. Like, we've closed down the schools. Uh, there's a high percentage of, of kids in the United States, I, I think it's uh, the order of 30% or so, that depend on lunch meal provided by the state for their main sustenance. So there will be right. uh, uh, kids getting diseases and dying. There will be uh, foreclosures because of the underemployment or even non-employment of some people. And I know there's a little uh, debt forgiveness going on now, but it will translate into uh, people slipping further into poverty, which has uh, mortality implications. Not to mention the uh, the encouraging of civil unrest uh, and great unemployment, which likely will lead directly to war. There are, and then when you talk about religious liberty, we're creating social stress out of nothing that many, many times in the past has turned into religious antagonism. And, you know, the one that well, we're not right. creating social stress out of nothing. The fact of, yeah, oh, there no, are consequences. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Way back, this is more than a seculum ago, but in the, uh, the mid-14th century, the Black Death wiped out nearly uh, 60% of the population of Europe, right? 50 million people or so. Uh, they believed that God's punishment was upon them. This is the wrath of God and so on. And, and uh, looking around at their peers dying off and so on, they noticed that certain religious communities that they had some uh, differences with, to some viewers, didn't seem to be as, as affected. And so there were, in particular, there were the thoughts that, well, Jewish communities poisoning the world. No one knew what was causing it. Uh, and, and there were horrors. Just one case to illustrate what happened. in. Uh, in Strasbourg, Strasbourg in 1349 on Valentine's Day, uh, 2,000 Jews were burned en masse as a way to placate the gods and the and society for the, this plague that was tearing society apart. There always has to be a culprit. And this is something that, that we haven't yet seen because we're in the middle of the crisis. But as it develops, and certainly as it ends, there will be a culprit. And... Uh, the president, who knows where it'll go, but he's already invoking uh, Easter as some special thing and appealing to God. And, and we've already got one or two preachers uh, you know, coming up like the late Jerry Falwell, you know, that this is because of gay marriage or whatever, and, you know, God's now zapping us and must return to their version of religion. There's a lot well, bubbling and boiling. And, and again, if we look back past the seculum to what happened in the past, there's some good lessons to be learned, I think. Well, Seventh-day Adventists are very concerned, at least theologically, theoretically, 
about the influence of demonic activity and spiritualism in the last days. And there has been a lot of spiritualism within the Christian community. There are quite a few who are claiming to be prophets, who are claiming to speak for God, who are insisting that God is angry and that this plague, you know, this uh, virus, is an expression of God's anger. And, and this I, reject them. I, I reject that. God does not send, you know, it's not God's will to destroy people. You know, Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. This is not consistent with the character of Christ. But there are many Christians who are believing that this is God's anger. And so, yes, um, scapegoating, you know, is always an issue. Revelation 13 scenario with the mark of the beast is about scapegoating those who are believed to be responsible for, for what we don't know yet, but whatever it is, they're being blamed and, and they're being ostracized and persecuted uh, because of it. Right. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, not necessarily intended because nobody started this up consciously that we know of, although uh, it's worth mentioning that conspiracy theories are abounding and many countries in the world have their own views as to how this done, which is toxic, whether or not it's true, it's very toxic. But uh, I am convinced that we do the very same uh, religious component and uh, some sort of, if not legislation, that social pressure uh, projecting a form of religious behavior on people. Well, in the meantime, there's no question that religious behavior is being altered because, uh, you know, we can't, we can't go and worship together. Not to mention, uh, go ahead. Um, you know, one, one part of our prophetic viewpoint that comes from Revelation, it says, uh, you know, you won't be able to buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. Uh, I haven't heard much talk about it, but I'll be a prophet on this very, very shortly. There will be an outright ban on uh, currency, dollar bills and so on particularly. Right? From a, well, I've started, uh, I've started to hear about stores not wanting to take currency. I know, but I believe there'll be a ban on it. And that makes it yeah. Well, it makes sense. Money is dirty. How many hands have touched those dollar bills in your wallet? Oh, there's logic to it, but this is unintended consequences. So uh, right. then when the dust settles a bit, we'll be habituated to uh, a control of, of even using what was traditional currency. And uh, uh, again, from World War II, it's very obvious that the Jewish community in Germany were marginalized. They were not to use money. They could not. They had to partner with their neighbors, basically exist on the fringes of the economy. And that is likely to happen to someone that doesn't go along with the order at the moment. Social distancing, we're all agreeable. But tomorrow, it could become more unhinged because people are panicked, even the government leaders. You know, like uh, Prince Charles has come down with a rand poll. Right. Uh, this is not sparing anyone. Well, you know, there's a problem with panicking, because just remember, if you panic today, you're going to be too tired to panic tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know... You need, you need to save life. your energy for when it's really time to panic. Right. At the same time, life, life is, is more normal than we like to recognize. You just look inward, and again, as Christians, we need to get a sense of bearing. My neighbor leaned across the fence with, with me, and I kept my social distance <laughs> Uh, yesterday, and she said, uh, you know, this seems like the end of the world. She says, I think this is one of the plagues. 
And I said, well, we are in the end of the world, but I don't think this is one of those ten last plagues. And I gave a reason for that. And we need to keep that in mind as Seventh-day Adventist Christians and all Bible-believing, prophecy-aware people. This is a difficult time that may produce some of the uh, characteristics of the very end of time, but there's a few things to happen yet. So, look, since you talk about the place, I want to take a minute here. We just have a minute left, uh, because this is an important point. You know, in Revelation, the seven last plagues in Revelation 15 and 16 are poured out upon those who worship the beast, upon the beast. They are, those are clearly judgments of God on people who refuse to repent. Okay, that's the clear, that is the clear picture there, okay? In Exodus, in the Passover, which these are borrowing from, there were three universal plagues that were poured out initially, and those were clearly God getting the attention of the people and pouring out plagues upon idols of Egypt. But Revelation does not have any place for universal plagues poured out upon everybody. This clearly, you know, doesn't make distinction, this uh, virus. No. Not making a distinction are, between we are the righteous and the wicked. What we are so all is characteristic not. of the end, end of time is cause and effect. Many things have been done uh, self-centeredly by man, destroying the environment, uh, really setting the conditions for these sort of pandemics, and we are we're selling to the right. wind and we're reaching the whirlwind. So, simply, there's no place for regarding these sorts of outbreaks as God's doing. They're the devil's doing, they're a product of human sin, you know, human activity, whatever. But, you know, it's not an act of God. And I get angry when God's name is defamed, and especially by those who are claiming to speak for him. Well, we are out of time, and there's so much Thank to talk about. Thank you for having me again. Lincoln State Editor of Liberty Magazine. As we close, remember, friends, even the coronavirus won't slow down our efforts to protect your religious freedom. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, keep freedom ringing, friends.